You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Precious Father, thank you for this second session, O oh Father. Lord, as we close, I want to give all the glory and honor to you and ask Master Jesus, help us. Let your people hear your voice upon my voice and touch and change their hearts by your anointing, O Lord. Empower them and strengthen them, O Lord. Help them to be able to change. Let your spirit ever remain with them, O Lord, to take them from where they are to where you want them to be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So I want to share a little bit about my own life, just some supernatural things that God has done that I can only say thank you, Jesus. I think the first thing is that you have to know as you are sitting here, whether you are working for somebody or you're involved in a business, that you're anointed for business. Amen? You're anointed for business. When we talk about the anointing, we, we need the Word of God and we need the Spirit of God. The Word of God often empowers us, but the Spirit will refresh us. The Word will always lead you to the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit will always lead you back to the Word, will lead you back to the cross where the price was paid in full. So there's a very strong relationship between the Word and the Spirit. John 6 verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are Spirit, and they are life. Amen. So if you want to enjoy the Holy Spirit in your life, more of the Holy Spirit, more of the anointing, the working of the Holy Spirit, you have to purpose in your heart to make God's Word the standard for your life. If you're not prepared to make God's Word the standard for your life, you're wasting your time. Amen? You have to allow the Word of God to rule in your heart. You have to give Jesus the rightful place in your heart. Amen. So there's a very strong link between the Word and the Spirit of God. Amen. An anointed person is somebody that's under the control of the Holy Spirit. When you're anointed, you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed by God the Father. Then he started doing what was good. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father doing it. So when you say, Holy Spirit, come into my life, you might get to a place where there'd be a conflict between your will and God's will. Say, Aina or Amen. Isaiah 61, verse 1, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach. So I said in the first session, the anointing is there for a purpose. To empower you to do your assignment, to fulfill your assignment. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to proclaim liberty. So when we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will have impact. It can change people's lives. It's the Holy Spirit that does the anointing. When David was anointed with the oil, afterwards the Holy Spirit remained with him. That's why he was an anointed one. He could face 
whatever he had to face. It was that anointing could deal with every yoke, could deal with every challenge. Amen? The anointing has got a fragrance. Fragrance. Matter of fact, when they anointed David, that special oil, you could smell it for two weeks. Two weeks. So let me tell you something. So when you visit an anointed ministry that's led by the Holy Spirit, when you go in under that ministry, that fragrance will come upon you. It will come upon you. If you go to a ministry, say, far off that's anointed, and it impacts your life, you usually come back, we're going to do this, and we want to do this, and pray more, and fast more, and help more, whatever. I always tell people, all these things that you want to do now, come see me two weeks from now. If the Spirit remains with them, I'll see them two weeks from now. If the Spirit does not remain with them, I'll never hear from them again. So when you've been influenced by a ministry, if you can continue to do that, it's remaining with you. We'll see the fragrance on you. But if it's not settled, it's not been a change of heart. Aina, amen. When we allow the word of God to become an integral part, by its very nature, it will start to change us. Jesus was effective, successful, because he did everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is power. It's like a wind, it's like water. Water is power, wind is power. But we cannot have a relationship with water and with wind. But we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We don't worship wind. We don't adore water. Amen? But we do adore the Holy Spirit. Am I helping some of you here? I've got anointing oil here, and I'll bless everyone with a bottle at the end of the service. But sometimes the greatest mistake that people make, they can put their faith more in anointing oil or water or a handkerchief than in God. Oil cannot change your life. If oil could change your life, every time you made pancakes, like on a rainy day today, your life would change. Every time you fried fish, your life would change. Every time you made fed cook, your life would change. Hey? <laughs> if water could change your life, every time you had a glass of water, your life would change. Every time you take a shower or a bath, oh, my life is just changing. Cannot. But it's because that anointing is done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this power. Faith in the name of Jesus has made this man well. So never put your faith in the object. Let your faith be in Jesus, the anointed one, Yeshua HaMashiach. This is where we sometimes, that which is supposed to be a blessing becomes a curse. Because now we put our faith in an object. Just get oil from this man, or just get water from this man, or get a handkerchief from this man. No, your faith is now in an object. That which is intended to be a blessing can now become a curse. Because now you start to worship the water, you start to worship the handkerchief, you start to worship the oil. Am I helping you? 
So we'll receive power, but the Holy Spirit is more than power. He is a person, he's an individual. He wants to teach you all things. Water cannot teach you. You can go and swim in water and be taught how to swim, but the Holy Spirit wants to teach you all things because he knows all things. He knows what to do at what time, and he can lead and guide you. Amen? In your business, in your marriage, with your children, it's here to help us. Matter of fact, if you're a doctor, you can be a better doctor when you have the Holy Spirit than one who does not have the Holy Spirit. Because when you are diagnosing, the Holy Spirit can help you. You might look at the symptoms from a natural point of view, but the Holy Spirit can say, do this test or help with that. As an engineer, as whatever, as a mother with your children, your child can be grumpy and you think this child needs a hiding, but the Holy Spirit will say, child doesn't need a hiding. This is what happened. This is what's hurting. Deal with the root. Amen? And you see how much we need the Holy Spirit. So let's look at some practical applications. Are you ready for that? Can I tell you one of the biggest mistakes we make with our children in this generation? We want to teach them about the things of God according to the law. I mean, how many times in a day do we tell them, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. And the more you tell them, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, the more they do that. We need to shepherd and parent our children with the grace of God. And there you need the Holy Spirit so that you can lead and guide them and hear where they are coming from. I'm, this generation, I really don't understand them. They, they, the other day they called me the Old Testament. I said, well, I'm, I'm a New Testament preacher, but I think I have to renew my mind with some things with the young people. But I know with the Holy Spirit and with the grace of God, I can do it. Because now I can listen to his promptings. Amen. So let's go to John 17, 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Can I just stop here quickly? As a business person... God's not going to take you out of this world. He does not want to take you out of this world. I know we say we are not of this world. Sometimes even as Christians, we quote it to make ourselves feel better than those that are in the world. Jesus is here praying and he's saying, let me just make it very clear. I'm not taking you out of this world. I'm sending you into this world. I'm going to keep you from the evil one, but you're going into this world. Can I have one? Amen. Light expels darkness. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you've become the enemy of the enemy. You're not scared of the enemy anymore. You're the enemy of the enemy. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're the enemy of the enemy. When you're an anointed one, you're not sure if you're an anointed one. Say, when you're an anointed one, you're an enemy of the enemy. It says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. But you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. As God the Father commissioned Jesus to be a problem solver in the world, He has sent you and me into this world to be problem solvers. And if he sent you in to be a problem solver, he's going to anoint you, he's going to empower you so that you can go in and solve the problems. Problems that people in the world cannot solve, we should solve those problems. Amen? So he says, I'm not going to take care of the world. I'm anointing you, I'm empowering you so that you can go into the world and you can solve problems. Turn to the person next to you say you're a problem solver. So the anointing is there to help you in the marketplace. Wow. The anointing is there to help you in the marketplace, to strengthen you so that you can do more. So let me tell you, as a Christian in the marketplace, people are watching you to see if you are going to complain, whether you're going to murmur, and how you're going to do your job. So I want to tell you, if you've received the grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you do it better than anybody else. If they give you more, It's because you've got the grace to do more. Do it then. Somebody will notice you somewhere. If they're not paying you what they're supposed to pay you, a matter of fact, they can never do that. Your value is not what you're costing your company. Can I have one? Amen. Cost is never value. Amen. What you're costing your company is not your value. So don't put your value in what they're paying you. You get your value from God because you're doing everything as unto the Lord. Amen. So he says here, you can go into the world. He says, because Christ has been sanctified. He says, I'm going to sanctify them. And how you do that is with the word of God on the inside of you. Amen? That word on the inside, when Jesus got the rightful place and you've got that peace here, you guard that. You don't let situation and circumstances influence that. But you rely on the anointing so that you can do more. You don't go sit in the toilet and read your Bible and do Bible study and say, thank you, Lord, for this time that I can just spend. No, that's working time. Amen? And when you have to work, you work, and let them see the grace of God upon your life and say, we cannot go without this person. That's what happened to a Joseph. The ruler knew. The king knew. It was blessed because of Joseph. God's favor was upon his life, and the favor on Joseph's life spilled over to the king. So if your boss is blessed because of your hard work, don't worry. God is busy. He's fulfilling his purpose and plan in you and through you. One amen? You're happy your boss is blessed because you're doing such a great job? (laughs) Amen. So I want to anoint you today for business, but will you be able to maintain it? That's the big the big question. You can know all the scriptures, you can quote all the scriptures, you can pray them, but will you be able to maintain them? So Jesus first prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for us. He said, if you want to be a disciple, John 8 verse 31, do you want to be a disciple? It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Listen what the Passion Translation says. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. If you embrace all that I teach, 
means all of this becomes the standard for your life. All of this. Then people will see that you are serious. They will say that you're a disciple. Amen? Continue in my word, continue in my teachings, and people will say you're a disciple. Not just coming to church, hearing one sermon, that's great, I'm going to do that. No. Continue in the teachings week after week. You can only know the truth if you obey the truth. I said it previously. You can only know the truth if you obey the truth. That's the challenge. It's one thing to know you have to forgive. It's a completely different thing to go and forgive. Completely different. To know you have to forgive and to go and forgive, two completely different things. Obedience and anointing hand in hand. The only proof of your faith is your obedience. The only proof of your faith is your obedience. A matter of fact, Acts 5.32. You want more Holy Spirit in your life? More obedience. Acts 5.32 says that the Holy Spirit is given by God to those who obey Him. You want more Holy Spirit? More obedience. Amen. So we want to come and say, pray for me, fill me, fire, 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 spirit, spirit, spirit. No, no, no. Obedience, obedience, obedience. <laughs> Can I tell you what the book of Psalms says? It says, let the righteous strike me. It will be kindness. Let him rebuke me. It will be like excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. 141. Sorry, can you guys put it up there? Am I right? Just give me a second. You didn't know that scripture is in the Bible, hey? Um, yeah. 141 verse 5. There it is. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. Why is that? Because instruction in righteousness is always kindness because it leads to life. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be kindness. Let him rebuke me. Nobody rebukes me. Nobody tells me what to do. Let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. I think if your intention is to get the anointing today, but your intention is not to allow the anointing to change you, how will you maintain it? If your intention is, I want to get the anointing, but your intention is not to let the anointing change you, how will you maintain it? I always say it's free, but it's not cheap. It cost Jesus his life. Holy Spirit is free. The anointing is free, but it's not cheap. It cost Jesus Christ his life. Let's see what Jesus prayed, the second part here. John 17, let's go there. 20. Let me just get back there quickly. I've gone out a bit, bit off track there. That's an amazing scripture, that 141, hey? Five, let the righteous strike me. Can you believe it that David would write something like that? 
Sometimes if you don't tell people straight, stop your nonsense, they'll never stop their nonsense. Sometimes you just have to tell them straight, stop your nonsense. Amen? He says, that's kindness. Nobody talks to me like that. But one person that does it in love, when the love comes from here in righteousness, it brings life. It brings life. Let me just say that when you bring correction to your children, never do it from here when you are angry. Always make sure it comes from a heart of love, a heart of righteousness, because then it will bring life. Amen? Otherwise, if it just comes from here, you can break a child's spirit. You can break somebody's spirit. But when it comes from love, it will always build them up, and they'll receive it. Amen. Are we there? John 17, verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in you and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved me. The glory which you have given me, I have given you. The Bible says we're not allowed to touch God's glory. Christ came to restore back glory to us. And he's praying here for you and me. And he says, Father, the glory that you've given me, I've given them. So that they can be one. The first thing that the anointing brings, it brings peace between brothers. One of the first things the anointing brings is peace. Peace in your heart. And when you have peace in your heart, you can have peace with those around you. Jesus could speak to the storm and say, be still, because he had peace in his heart. When you have peace, you can say to your storm, peace. But if you don't have peace here, you cannot declare peace. So the first thing is he puts peace in your heart. Jesus says, the peace that I give you is not the peace of this world. It's a peace that comes from heaven. He says, in this world, you'll have tribulations, John 16, but I've come that you may know my peace. Peace here. Protect that peace with anything, with everything. So the first thing that the anointing will bring, it brings peace. It brings unity. And protect that. So whether you're working in a team or you're the head of the team, protect the unity. Protect the unity. We never protect the unity at the cost of truth. Amen. So we're not going to, we don't protect unity at the cost of truth. But that we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. But when that comes, we'll have a peace and we can keep that peace. Amen. When you have that peace, you can be a blessing. It can be a blessing. Glory brings peace. Psalm 133 says, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. This is like Aaron, the anointing oil that starts flowing from the top down because they're in unity. So where there's unity, peace, when you walk into this building, you experience peace. When you visit this church, there's peace. 
Our members know where they belong. There's a sense of belonging. We protect the peace. When people come, they come peaceably. If they want to go, I say, go peaceably. You've come peaceably, go peaceably. We don't want trouble here. Amen? I've had pastors walk in here, bishops walk in here. When they, the peace, there's glory here. I say, yes, we protect that because we value and appreciate the anointing. Amen? I want to say, have an expectation for God to do something unusual in your life. The enemy will always come and try and steal your peace. Even on your way here this morning, you probably had something happen to, that wanted to steal your peace. Just double blink or raise your hand. Yeah, when God wants to teach you about the anointing, the devil will try and keep you away not to come here. Amen? Yes. He wants to steal that peace. That's why you have to be alert. You have to be watchful, prayful at all times that he doesn't come and steal that peace. Some of you can come and testify how you've had some of your best fights ever before a church service on a Sunday morning when all you wanted was to come and serve and worship your wonderful Jesus. Amen. Just wave at me or double blink at me if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Number two, when you start appreciating the anointing, the Holy Spirit, you can be assured that God has gone before you. God has gone before you. You don't have to be afraid of the future because God has gone ahead. He's in your future. He holds your future in his hands. Even Moses understood this in the Old Testament. He said, I'm not going into the promised land. I know you've promised this to us, God. I know you made a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we've heard about all the miracles and we've heard about everything that you've done. And I've seen what you've done now. I've seen the 10 miracles, but I want to tell you, I'm not going into the promised land unless your presence goes before me. You need God in the land where God has placed you. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit knows everything about that land. He knows everything that's going on. He knows where he's taking you. That's why when you move forward, you want to know that God has gone before you to make your way straight and smooth. Exodus 33 verse 15. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Moses understood he needed the help of the Holy Spirit, even in the promised land. He needed the Holy Spirit to go before him. Amen. It's this working of the word and the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Amen. Point number three, the Holy Spirit will help you to be better than yourself. It's going to help you to be the better you. If you're a doctor, you can diagnose with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you're an architect or an engineer, you can design with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you're a mother, you can be that parent with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you're into sales, God will show you, stay away from these people, they're just going to waste your time. Or the Holy Spirit can lead you to those good, credit-worthy clients. The Holy Spirit will help you to think bigger, to dream bigger. When you think this is only possible, He'll say, you know what? You can trust me, let's add a zero to that. Or let's double that target. And you know God will help you, amen? And bring the right people to you to assist you to reach your goals. Amen. 
So we are blessed to be a blessing. We are here to advance the kingdom of God. So in all these things, we want to give glory to God. But God is doing all of these things so that His kingdom can advance. Many of you believe that God has called you to be a financial channel to bless the kingdom of God. Let me see your hand. You know, if I can say something concerning that, that it's not just about getting money. But you have to see where that money is coming from. Because if you don't see where the money is coming from, the enemy can be using that as a trap to link himself to you, to limit you in the future. Now I don't hear one amen. You have to be careful and see where the money is coming from. Because the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and it adds no sorrow to it. But the enemy's blessing has always got conditions that will bring sorrow into your life later. There are many people who've got a lot of money when they are older, but their hearts are broken. They are miserable. Just double blink. So the enemy would want to set a trap for you. Well, you say as an anointed one, I cannot be trapped. No, no, no. Go read Matthew 4. Jesus the Son of God, the Anointed One, nobody is closer to the Father than Jesus, yet He was tempted. It teaches us it doesn't matter how close you are to God, you can still be tempted. Turn to the person next to you say, even as an Anointed One, you can be tempted. That's why you need brothers and sisters around you. So we have to do that. That doesn't mean you now the new appointed sheriff of the church and you are inspecting everybody's lives. No, no, no. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. Amen. <laughs> Am I helping some of you here? So the devil will try and tempt you. A matter of fact, what he will do is he'll tempt you in the thing that you are most desperate for. Jesus was hungry for bread, hungry for food, and the devil tempted him with bread. So what you are most desperate for is the thing that the devil can come and tempt you because you want that. Then you won't look what is the source of where it's coming from because that's what you want. But if you are listening and hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying, you'll know whether it's coming from the voice of God, the hand of God, or the enemy setting a trap for you. Am I helping some of you here? Just wave at me or say, Aina or Amen. The difference is, although Jesus was hungry, he was not desperate. So you might be in need of money, but don't be desperate for money. If you're single, you might be single, but don't be desperate for a spouse. Because when you are desperate, that's when the enemy can take advantage of you. Because then you'll just take whatever comes. When you're desperate, you'll just take what's in front of you. So you might be hungry, but don't be desperate. You might be single, don't be desperate. I can go on and on and on. Amen. So I think when you know that you're an anointed one, you know you have the peace of God, you know you have to be alert, you're protecting the anointing, you've got some friends around you. And I think when it comes to that, you should have it on different levels. Have some people next to you that you can speak into your lives. Have some people above you that can speak into your lives. And then obviously people that you can speak into their lives as well. Amen. Am I helping some of you here?
So when you know that you're anointed, you're keeping the peace, you're aware, God has blessed the work of your hands, you're conquering, so what are some practical things that you can do? So we can look at a lot of people's lives, we can look at the life of Joseph, but I want to take you to, 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 to Jacob. And what you're going to have to do in that time, the process, so that God can shape you, so that you can maintain what God has given you. David, when you think about him, he's anointed. He had two opportunities to kill Saul. When nobody would have questioned him, a matter of fact, when you read it there, they are saying to him, surely the Lord has given your enemy into your hand. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, you've done it finally. <laughs> no, he says, no, I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. Cannot do that. Amen? Cannot do that. Twice he had the opportunity. A matter of fact, when he cut off the robe of Saul, the Bible says his heart troubled him. Sometimes when you've done things, sometimes in business you can make a quick decision. Do some things. Cut off something, take something, get involved in something. And afterwards when your heart troubles you, go make right. Amen? Don't just continue and say, okay, no, well, let's go kill him now. Then nobody knows. No. Because you still stand before God. Amen? The anointing comes from God. Amen. Where am I right now? Proverbs 11 verse 6. Gracious women retains honor, but strong, diligent, and ruthless men retain riches. Ruthless does not mean be ruthless and hurt people. Sometimes you just have to go out with a tenacity and continue to fish and to fish and to fish and you clean those nets and you clean those nets and you clean those nets until you've got the catch, until you've got what God has promised you. Amen. Genesis 30 verse 27, I love this. And Laban said to him, please stay. If I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. He's acknowledging here, he says, I'm blessed because of you. See, I'm not the blessed one. I'm not the great businessman. I'm not the highly favored one. He says, what's happening in my business is because of you. Can you do that and have a happy heart? Because there's a season where God will require of you to serve like that. David was the anointed king. The presence of God was with him. God wanted him to be a king, but God took him into the palace to first serve the king. Hey, no. We'll say today, am I not the anointed one? Am I not the gifted one? Can I not do it better than him? And we look at the gift, but God is looking at the character. Your gift won't get you into heaven. Your character will. Amen? Your gift won't get you into heaven. Your character will. The size of the diamond ring might put a smile on her face when you give it to her, but it doesn't mean you're happily married. Many people are working with big gifts on their fingers, but they have unhappy hearts, where others might not even have a ring on their fingers, but they have happy hearts. Verse 33, so my righteousness will answer for me in a time to come when the subject of my wages comes before me. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen. 
If it is with me, and Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your words. Verse 37. Now Jacob took for himself roots and green poplar, and the almond and the chestnut trees peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering throes, where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So number one that I want to ask you, what do you see concerning your business? What do you see concerning your business every day? Because here it's good to be anointed, it's good to say it. But what we can see from this is that you have to see it. So you're going to have to write it down. Turn to the person next to you, say, write down the vision. And make it plain. I'm not even going to Habakkuk, but Habakkuk tells us what to do. It's not just good enough to speak it into existence. Write it down where you can see it. The souls that you would like to see saved, in your business, the turnover that you want, go write it down. If you have to sell a certain amount of items, write it down. Write it down where you can see it. See it. See it, say it, pray it, and thank God for that. I did this with a men's prayer probably 10 years ago. Some of the guys that had targets that year for, say, 7 million that they had to do, they went and wrote down 30 million. Four times more, 30 million. And they achieved their targets. They achieved their targets. So I want to tell you this principle actually works. If it works for goats in the Bible, when they see the spots, they started giving birth to spots. What you see and what you believe and what you say, you'll start to produce. Amen. So go write it down. So already for this year, okay, I don't write it down, I print it out. I've printed out what I trust God for this year. I've printed it out, it's in my prayer room, and I see it. Every time I go in there, I pray it. Lord, I thank you for this. Thank you for this income. Thank you for this amount of salvations. Thank you for this attendance. And I've, I've got it down there, and I'm trusting God, and I'm declaring it. The plans that you see here, this building, was probably in my prayer room for four years. Four years. Seeing it, praying over it, declaring it. Then people say, how did it happen so quickly? It's a lot of reasons, the grace of God, obviously, but it was in my prayer room for four years that you don't see, that you don't know. Amen? Turn to the person next to you, say, I want to give you some good advice. Go write it down. Go write it down. You're anointed, I know. You can do it, I know. But can you write it down? I want to give you that advice. As an anointed one, go write it down and start to declare it and see what God will do this year. Amen. Can I just say, when you make a promise to God, so even one of the things, one of the commitments is what do I want to give to God? Because the blessing is for a purpose. The anointing is for a purpose. So if you just want God to bless your business for you, you have to check your heart. You have to see how can we advance the kingdom of God and what is that amount that you're trusting God for that you want to bless the kingdom of God. So if you're going to write an amount down there, let me give you some good advice from Ecclesiastes. If you promise to give God something, give it. Give it. Because Ecclesiastes says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. 
So when it comes to money and you've made a commitment to God and you don't pay it, God considers you a fool. That's not me. That's the Bible. It says it's better not to vow than to vow and not to pay. It says so rather just keep quiet and don't give anything. Don't try and impress God. Don't try and impress the people around you by saying, I want to give this or this. Rather just keep quiet and don't give anything. When you're going to give, make sure that you give with a happy heart as well. Amen. I'm not going to say more than that. Psalm 15 verse 4, the second part says, and keep their promises even when it hurts. Can I tell you something? Every single time that we've made a commitment for an amount that was a little bit where we had to stretch ourselves, we think, okay, this is going to happen, that's going to come in, then we're going to give that. Have you done things like that for God? More than likely, what's going to happen? You, let me, let's say you, you, you see 50,000 coming in, and you say, God, I want to give 25,000. I'm not going to give 10, I'm going to give half. Because you want to bless the kingdom of God. And the other half, God, that will be enough for me. I commit 25,000 of this project. More than likely, what's going to happen, you're going to have some extra expenses on the project. And that profit of 50 is probably going to end up being 30. And God is going to say, okay, let me see if you can give the 25. Let me see if you can keep your word to your own hurt. Like you make me keep my word and remind me of my promises. Let me see what you're going to do with the 30 that you've got now, with the 25 that you say you're going to give. Have you ever written those tests? I've written them, I want to say, almost every time. When I've made a commitment, I've had to write that test. That's just God for you. Amen. He just want to see if you can keep your word like you want him to keep your word. Amen. So keep those promises. Jacob remained faithful to Laban even while he changed his wages the whole time. I want to commend those that have remained faithful during COVID when they changed your wages. Because most people only remain faithful and committed because of the money that they get. Many people that you think are so committed in what they are doing, they're not committed. They're just committed because they're getting paid for what you've asked them to do. It's not that they are very faithful. You know, we, I remember growing up, the milkman used to deliver the milk five o'clock in the morning, and I thought, this is such a committed guy for us to have milk five o'clock in the morning. He's so committed. But afterwards, I actually realized, no, that was just his job. That's what he's getting paid for. If he delivered the milk at 5 o'clock in the morning and didn't get paid, then he was committed <laughs> to getting the milk to me. Amen. <laughs> Am I talking to the right people here today? Can you be faithful when nobody's watching? That's what I'm actually trying to say. When you are faithful when nobody is watching, then you've got character. That's character. I think I shared with you the vision of the two fires, the fire upon and the fire within. And we should focus more on the fire within, the character, than the fire upon. That's what it's really all about. You're an anointed one. You are blessed already. According to Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 6, you are blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus already. 
Amen. Romans 5 says that the love of God has been poured out in your hearts. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says that faith has been deposited in your heart already. So every agreement is there already. Ingredient is there already for you to be successful. You have faith on the inside of your heart. You have love poured out in your heart. You are blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. 1 John 2 verse 20 says that you have the anointing of God on the inside of you already. So every ingredient, everything is there for you for successful living. What will you do with that? God has anointed you for a purpose. Will you use that to advance his kingdom or will you use it just for yourself? We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Can I say this? Whether you like it or not, you're an anointed one. Whether you like it or not, you're an anointed one. God has anointed you for a purpose, and that purpose is to advance the kingdom of God. When you've got that understanding, you'll approach everything in a different way. When Laban wants to change your wages, you'll say, Laban, you're not in control of my life. You want to change it from plain to speckled? I've got the strategy in place already. You can do that. We can, I can handle that. I'm just going to change my strategy, and you think the blessing will come to you, the ble- and just adjust it. Go look at Jacob when they stole the wells. He said, have the well, that's fine. I'll just go dig another well. Because he knew the blessing was on the inside of him. It was not in the location. It was on the inside of him. When God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, it's got nothing to do with where you are. It's got everything to do with what's on the inside of you. And when you know that you're an anointed one and you are protecting this peace, wherever you go, whatever you put your hands to, it will be blessed because God has anointed you for a purpose. Selah. Father, we thank you for your sons and your daughters that you've called them, that you've anointed them, O oh Father. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for knowledge. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for discernment and the fear of the Lord to rest upon them as they go into the marketplace. Father, I want to pray and ask, even in this year, that you will do far more abundantly, exceedingly above whatever they could dream, whatever they could ask, whatever they could imagine, whatever they could write down. We know, Lord, that you will do more. Make haste, O Lord, to help them. We are spirit of the living God. Fall afresh upon them and put an end to everything that's not of you. But empower them, O Lord, to do what you've called them to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.